welcome to the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. I have a fantastic episode for you today. My guest is Nicole Frazier. Nicole is a mom of one on earth, but she has five babies in heaven who she lost. She also created a small passion project called From Heaven and Hope to connect other women who've experienced similar grief or who work with grief for a living in some capacity. And her advocacy and passion and her personal experience with loss It is so admirable, inspirational, and whether you or someone you know has experienced a loss like this, this episode will be so enlightening to you, and I hope that you will know more what to do and say to help somebody through that, and if it is you who has experienced that loss, that you will feel solidarity and seen in this episode. Nicole's perspective is so incredible, and it makes me even more grateful to be a mom. So let's get to my conversation with the extraordinary Nicole Frazier. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Nicole Fraser today. Hi, Nicole. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. Where are you located? I'm in Burlington, Ontario. So I'm just west of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Nice. What's the weather like? We're recording in end of May. Is this a good time of year there? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's sort of starting to transition now. May and the springtime in southern Ontario is a little bit of a shot in the dark. Sometimes yeah. it's freezing cold and sometimes it's, you know, you could be swimming. So this past week was very warm. It was really nice. Um, today's a bit rainy, but, you know, it's coming. The summer is coming. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, that sounds like a beautiful part of the country in general. Well, I am so honored to be chatting with you today. You reached out wanting to share your journey of motherhood, which has been really challenging and probably nothing like what you expected. Is that right? Yes, that is completely correct. (laughs) Yeah, and you are a mom of one here on earth, but you have five babies in heaven. And we're going to talk about that loss today. And hopefully others who have been through it will be able to feel some camaraderie. And for others who have not experienced it, like myself, There's just such value that comes from hearing other people's experiences and journeys to have more compassion and understanding about the realities that other people are facing in their own lives, especially in motherhood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, Yeah, okay. So like I said, I'm I'm from Burlington, about 45 minutes west of Toronto. Um, I spent most of my life here in Burlington, apart from my uh, years at school, which is closer to Niagara Falls, so that's closer to the state line. Um, And I started in theater. After a year, I switched to a degree in arts and culture, a degree which I rarely use. (laughs) And then uh, after university, I traveled a little bit, um, did a post-grad certification in event management, did some work in event management for a couple years. Um, What I'm currently doing is, is helping um, women navigate their race journey with virtual connection and to share conversations on my own podcast with uh, people who have experienced grief and found a way to move through it 
or uh, people who work with grief for a living. My husband, Neil, and I were married in 2012, and uh, we currently have one daughter here Earthside with us, like you said, and five babies in heaven, some who we got to meet um, who were born and we held, and, and some who we didn't. And they are the inspiration behind the, the career path now. And like you said, you don't really use the degree that you, that you had, but what did you picture yourself doing? Did you plan to work in some capacity in a different field or, you know, how, how does your work life look different today than you would have thought? Oh man. Yeah. So when I started university, I, I wanted to be an actress. Like I really mm. did, um, in theater, like not musical theater, but in, in straight theater or, uh, in TV and film. So, uh, that's kind of how it started. I had a real interest in that, but then when I got to school, I realized it might be a bit narrow for me and I had more broad interests. So I, I changed to arts and culture, which was for me, a combination of drama, dance and film. So it's kind of all the things that I love encompassed into one. And I don't actually know what I thought I was going to do. I thought maybe, you know, arts administration, you know, for some, like for the national ballet or something, um, doing something with an arts organization um, from a more administrative or operations standpoint. That's mm-hmm. sort of what I thought I was going for. Um, and then just found out there wasn't a whole lot of jobs there. So, um, <laughs> so I just worked a couple odd jobs. And then circumstantially, when I came home from school, my mom, uh, it's just me and my mom. I don't, um, I don't have any other siblings in my desk not in the picture. So my mom moved to Spain. She had a job opportunity. So I had the opportunity for the next few years to do a lot of traveling in Europe. So I took that time to do some soul searching and then found event management to be something that I could sink my teeth into and and ended up working with that quite a bit. And it just sort of transitioned out of that when my daughter was born. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I ask is that it is so interesting how sometimes we have this clear vision of what we think our life is going to be and what we're going to do and the hats we're going to wear and and especially the timeline with which we think things are going to unfold. And hardly any of us can probably say that it looks anything remotely close to that, that picture that we set out with. Maybe we've checked some of the boxes, but I think the sooner that we can come to terms with life is going to unfold in a way that is probably not at all like what we pictured. But I think the most, I don't know, the people that tend to be let down the most are the people that cling too tightly to that vision. And did you feel like you were a pretty adaptable person as, you know, things unfolded in, in your life early on, like 10 years ago? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say I was completely adaptable, but I, I, I wouldn't say I cling to it, but I had a really hard time letting go of of what I thought and then and then pivoting to a new um, trajectory. It's not like, I mean, especially when I was done university and I graduated arts and culture, I really, it was a more broad picture of what, what work life was going to look like. So I wasn't completely set on it, but I really had nowhere to look like mm. afterwards. So, so I would say I was somewhere in the middle. I was like, I wouldn't say I was resistant to change at all, but I really had no idea what to look for. Right. Yeah, and I just yeah. wonder if those those times in your life and that experience kind of helped shape and equip you for what was to come with, you know, not clinging too tightly to a certain expectation, 
of of motherhood and growing your family and everything. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to to think about. So did you ever have any concern before you tried to start getting pregnant that it would be challenging or anything like that? None. Like I, I the thing is, is that we can talk about this more, but the, the thing that my, my first two babies passed away from was a genetic condition that's passed down on my side that I knew nothing about until mm. my first uh, was born and then, and then passed away. So, um, so I had really no, no awareness as to what could be coming. I, I was aware that in general, some people have trouble getting pregnant. I mean, I was at an age where kind of all my friends were getting pregnant or trying. And so I was, I was pretty aware that it could take some time, but I, I had not equipped myself for any other possibilities really. And so your first two pregnancies ended in losses is that right yeah my first son Brady was born I mean we conceived him pretty much right away like we decided uh at the end or basically middle of 2014 that we were gonna like remove all the barriers and and see what happened without really trying and within a couple months was pregnant with him seemingly normal pregnancy he was born slightly early at 38 weeks but nothing was wrong born healthy we took him home um his name was Brady and then eight days later he passed away um and so like after several hours in our community hospital he was he was showing some signs like just um nothing that seemed super concerning but just not really wanting to eat and a little bit lethargic but but nothing really um really big Mm. But our, our midwife came over and, and sort of said, I'm going to forward you to the pediatrician on call at the community hospital just to rule out anything that maybe needs to be medicated or whatever. And then, you know, within a few hours, we were moved on to the children's hospital and he was diagnosed with urea cycle disorder, um, which is basically the inability to break down, like from protein to ammonia, to break that down to urea and expel it from the body. So it's just ammonia building up in your system. Wow. And it's uh, his type of urea cycle disorder is generally fatal in baby boys um, because it's passed down the X chromosome, so they can't fight it. There's no way to fight it. Whereas females can can live with it seemingly undiagnosed or with really mild symptoms. Um, so he, yeah, he was transferred to the children's hospital, and then the doctors were amazing. They tried everything they could. They kind of they gave us a heads up when we got there that um, that this was what they were looking at and that they were going to try these couple things and if they were going to work they were going to work right away but that basically we had to prepare ourselves for what could be the outcome and then you know after I mean we wrote I don't even know the timing is skewed but probably about 40 hours he he went through cardiac arrest seizures respiratory issues like the list goes on and on he really suffered and then um on September 12th so eight days later he he gained his wings and and left us Oh, Nicole, I am so, so sorry. There's just, I don't know, so many, there's so many different scenarios with which to lose a child. And I'm sure there's different types of grief even associated Mm -hmm. with different types of loss, whether you know, you know, there's a potential issue in utero, 
and whether you're able to hold your baby and whether they're born healthy and you lose them eight days later, seemingly very, very suddenly and kind of out of the blue. I, I would think that would be very traumatizing for you to lose a child in that way and to be caught so off guard. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, like, it was so, it's such a blur. It, it feels like it was happening in slow motion and it sped fast, like sped through so fast at all at the same time. Mm. Um, yeah, it was extremely traumatic. And, but, you know, what came out of it was with the help of the doctors at the Children's Hospital came with, came a lot of understanding and knowledge about the condition and the fact that I carry it. I mean, I do have a couple of symptoms that have been passed off as kind of any number of things my entire life, but I almost, I almost felt like vindicated in a way like, Oh my gosh, all these things make sense. Like that, that I've had my whole life that we just thought, you know, I was a picky eater. I had a sensitive stomach, like all these things that, um, that could potentially be nothing, but are likely attributed to urea cycle disorder. And the other thing that they, were able to counsel us on is, is future pregnancies and so we were told um basically every time we conceive naturally we have a 75 percent chance of having a healthy baby or a carrier girl so we could have an unaffected boy unaffected girl or a carrier girl like me mm-hmm. or we have a 25 percent chance of having another boy with the disorder in which case the outcome would be the same the only option to like eliminate those chances is to have IVF with genetic testing of the embryo and so those were the choices we had and and you know as much as I didn't want to make those choices it was it was helpful to have those answers at that point and then and then make decisions following that for future pregnancies right yeah as hard as it must have been to hear that news that rocks your whole world mm-hmm. and the trajectory of growing your family, it is helpful to be armed with knowledge because with knowledge, you can make educated decisions instead of just being kind of at the whim of whatever happens and being caught off guard again. So as hard as it must have been to hear that, I'm sure it did bring you some reassurance that at least there was a little bit more of a plan. Is that how you felt? Yeah, a little bit. Like it, it, it still, it felt like a bit of a blur because we kind of were getting that information really shortly after. Yes. Um, but, but it was still, it still helped us kind of plan future future pregnancies. I mean, it didn't. Again, that plan didn't play out the way we thought it would, but um, it was still something to cling on to. Right. Yeah, and. And the next question I want to ask is something that is, you know, very personal, but I think having, it's it's the question I think that a lot of people want to ask that don't feel comfortable asking. But when you go into the hospital with your baby and you come home without Brady, I'm sure uh-huh. people that loved you wanted to do or say things to help, to show love, to show support. But oftentimes we just don't know what to do. And so did anybody do or say things that were especially helpful? Or is there anything that didn't help? And keeping in mind that everybody's different with how they would want people to respond. But for you personally, Nicole. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, this is a question I answer all the time and that I ask all the time for people. Because it is, it truly is, you don't know. And and when this happened with Brady, I mean, we had subsequent losses after that. but, But with Brady in particular... That was the first, 
loss, like big loss that somebody had experienced in our whole circle of people. Like mm-hmm. nobody else had. Granted, after that, it felt like the floodgates opened, and for us and a few others, experienced several like losses. But um, so truly, nobody knew what to do. But I, I can point to a few things. So one, so I have a couple kind of more grand gestures that people did, and and then a couple of things that are just more but like just more hanging around and, and doing the right thing. But so the, the two kind of big things that people did was our shortly after Brady's memorial, um, one of our friends asked us if we wanted to go for lunch. It was one of the first times we had left the house since it all happened. And we joined him for lunch and he picked us up and then dropped us off back at home. And then when we walked up to the door, to our front door, there was this envelope sitting in the front door and it was just a note that was typed so we couldn't read like we couldn't uh pick out the handwriting and it just basically said um we love you and we want to support you and we want to we didn't know what to do and we want to help you basically and it just was signed your friends it didn't it didn't say who it didn't address who and it was attached to it was um like a, a bank draft or a money order for like several thousand dollars to help pay for brady's memorial service wow so yeah, so that was something that was extremely practical and helpful because it was something that we did need to pay for. And it probably took away about a third of the cost. And it just, it took that piece of the puzzle, like that piece of the burden away so we could just focus on other things. And they also didn't identify themselves. So there was no, there was no way for us to kind of spend time going around and thanking people. It was just, it was just like, this is us doing something for you, but, but there was no thanks. Uh, like needed yeah that's so interesting that's a great that's a great point because I think whether it's people bringing dinner and then you feeling the responsibility to get the get the dishes right back or write the thank you note or then it becomes more on you instead of just a selfless gesture of like this is just for you and we don't expect anything in return that's an interesting detail okay keep going Nicole yeah yeah that that was uh, just far beyond what we could have ever asked. And we just, I mean, it just speaks to what kind of friends we have. But, um, and then the other thing was, uh, my husband plays uh, baseball with one of, like a local um, baseball team. And them and the families, like, came together and got us a memorial tree mm. um, to be planted in one of our local parks. So it has a plaque on it. And um, it's in a, an area where there's a bunch of memorial trees, like where people have. So it's kind of like a, almost like a little memorial garden. Um, and it's nice to visit. And there's a playground there too. So we can take our daughter now that she can play and then we can walk over and see the tree. And that one um, happened when that was planted, that was in the spring of 2016. So it was, you know, several months later. And by that time we had lost our second son, <laughs> Levi. And so that tree actually had both the boys' names on it. So it's nice because especially with Levi, with, with, with Brady, we have his urn. He's at home with us. We have pictures of him with Levi. We don't. And so, um, he, it's nice to have something where we can go to remember him too. Yeah. Oh, um, that's beautiful. That is, that's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And then the small things. Yeah. And then, uh, I think the small things are just, like you said, you know, dropping off food and again if you can do that drop it off in a container that you don't expect back like a disposable thing or uh, you know a ziploc container that it doesn't matter um they'll probably get it back to you but at least it's not something you're waiting for mm-hmm. um 
and then uh, like food and I think just things that make people's life logistically easier so if it's somebody that already has kids maybe I'll take your kids for a couple hours and we can go play at the park or um, I just went by Starbucks I'm just going to drop you off a you know a coffee on the front porch or I had friends who just made cookies and just dropped them off and left and didn't didn't ring the doorbell didn't I didn't ask for anything in a in a disposable thing so we didn't have to give it back and just things like that to let people know that you're thinking of them and then also things that could maybe make their sort of day-to-day life just a little bit easier so food um coffee just time like time to take their kids from them to sort of let them have some time to sleep or rest uh even like a cleaning service or offer to clean their house we had family come in and 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 after Brady passed away and basically clean our house and also put all of his stuff in his room so that mm. we didn't walk in and there was baby stuff everywhere. We It was closed door. They didn't get rid of anything, um, but we could open the door when we were ready. Mm. Um, so that was something that was, that was really helpful too. And I, I honestly think the main thing is to just not disappear. You know, mm. even if you're worried about saying the wrong thing, just, just check in every so often um, and don't, and don't disappear. That's, that's the worst thing that could, that could be done. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's always hard to break in for a show sponsor with episodes like this, but I did want to thank someone to make this show possible, and that is Felix Gray. Five years ago, Felix Gray realized that our eyes simply weren't meant to look at screens all day. You know, you're looking at screens more than ever, and you've probably noticed your sleep disrupted, headaches, fatigue, all these types of things, and our kids are on screens so much more. So since we are spending so much time exposing ourselves to the many sources of blue light, you need Felix Grey glasses because they're unlike any other blue light lenses. Felix Grey lenses filter 15 times more blue light that can make screen time tough on eyes and disruptive to sleep. The thing I love most about Felix Grey is that I could get my prescription put in them. I had a cheapo pair that I purchased on Amazon and they were fine, but I was always having to double up with my prescription lenses under the blue light glasses and that was not a great look. So when I got my pair of Felix Grey glasses with my particular prescription, you can also get non-prescription, but with mine, oh, they were amazing. Not only do they offer a wide range of lenses and frames, they are so, so stylish and so comfortable to wear, high quality. If you're on your screen during the day or your kids are, you want to get Felix Grey glasses. And they also have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose but your eye strain. Get yourself a pair of glasses made for the 21st century and designed for modern, hardworking eyes. You have nothing to lose except that eye strain. Go to felixgrayglasses.com EEP for the best blue light glasses on the market. That's felixgrayglasses.com EEP. F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash E-E-P. Free shipping, free returns. FelixGreatGlasses.com slash E-E-P. Tag me in your picture when you pick up your pair of glasses and let me know what you got. Now let's finish up with Nicole. How quickly did you get pregnant with Levi? Uh, Pretty quickly. So uh, like I said, we were told if we could... uh, that we every time we conceived naturally there was this uh, percentage that we had to consider and then the alternative was IVF and IVF in Ontario at the time was newly covered uh, but it's only like pieces of it are covered but the medication and the uh, genetic testing wouldn't be covered which is also quite expensive so mm-hmm. and they also the wait was like two years so wow we were so yeah at that time it's a little bit less now because it's been around for a while but um 
uh, yeah, so we, we kind of hemmed and hawed about this and then thought, okay, so 75% chance is in our favor if we go naturally, 25 if we don't. You know, we've already lost one. Should we do this? And so we just we decided to try again naturally. And then we got pregnant with Levi in January of 2016, so only, you know, four months later. And then with that one, because we knew it was a possibility, we did a CVS test, um, for, sort of like the earlier version of an amnio kind of. Mm-hmm. And that would determine the gender and also whether or not this baby was a, a carrier of disorder. And, you know, within a, a couple of weeks, found out that it was another boy with the disorder. So then we were kind of in this zone where we had to make a decision about do we see this pregnancy through and, and, and know that he's going to suffer and then and then also pass away? Or do we terminate this pregnancy, which is like something that neither of us would have entertained previously, but we've just five, six months earlier just watched our other baby not only pass away but suffer. So we were just left with these um, two impossible choices. But ultimately through soul-searching and uh, prayers and and everything – uh, we honored own. Oh, we actually didn't tell anybody about this decision because we really didn't want anybody else's opinions either way. We just kind of wanted to sit with that and, and figure it out and then came to the decision that we would say goodbye to him early only because we would be putting him through suffering um, mm-hmm. if we didn't. So we named him Levi because it means united. And so we thought he would be united with his brother in heaven, which which brought us a little bit of comfort. So. Oh, I love that symbolism. That is so beautiful and so heartbreaking at the same time. And yeah, I when you're faced with a decision like that where you you've been through the the hardest outcome and seeing the suffering and everything. I mean, somebody who has not walked your path might think they know what they would do, but you really don't until you're in it to you. Yeah, you don't. And honestly, if if we had have known about Brady before and we were given those two choices. I'm not sure I would have chose to terminate that pregnancy. I would have been like, Oh, well, we'll hope for a miracle. Or like, maybe it's wrong. Or like, I would, you know, it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have realized about the suffering, but because we had just watched it, it just, it didn't, as his parents, it didn't seem like the kindest thing to do to sort of put him through, you know, days upon days of, of suffering. Right. Uh, In the end, if the result was going to be the same. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. And again, I'm just so sorry that you're going through that again. Did Mm -hmm. it differ having it end this way, having a little more control over the situation, a little bit more education about everything? Did that grief that you felt and that loss feel any differently? Tell me about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt different, but I would say the, the main difference was that Levi, his, his grief, the grief for him felt a little bit more lonely for me because I mean, with Brady, everybody saw him, everybody, not everybody, but lots yeah. of people held him, um, including my husband. Right. And with Levi, I was the only one who, who saw him and felt him and nobody else did. So, and also um, you know, in both pregnancies, I mean, in both losses, my body thought I had a baby. So, you know, I was still producing milk and like, even at the earliest stage with, with Levi, that still happened. And so it was, 
Uh, Levi's was, I would say, a bit more complicated because it felt a little bit more uh, lonely um, because it felt like it was a different, at least with Brady, I was grieving with my husband kind of the same way. Not the same way, but the yeah, same grief. Right. And um, and with Levi, it was it was a little bit different because I think with with Neil, it was more the loss of what could have been, and and him feeling uh, just wanting to support me and comfort me, but him he felt a different kind of loss. So so yeah, it was different. And and also we because because of the nature of that decision, we also didn't tell everybody right away. We sort of waited until we were at a point where we could have that conversation without a whole lot without feeling like we we're being judged mm-hmm. and I have no and both of us still like we have no regrets about it like because we do feel like we made the kindest choice as his parents but it's I understand why it's a you know it's a it's a hard topic and so right. I don't you know I don't want to throw it out there <laughs> yeah and I think it's super brave talking about it and and the way that when you hear the backstory and everything like yeah, I get that. I, I, I understand that. And so many people just hear one part of it and without understanding the entire experience. Yeah, you don't you don't also deserve that judgment when you're losing your second son. That's just cruel. That's just cruel at that point. Oh, my right. goodness. Yeah. So you lose Levi. So again... Mm-hmm. You're back at, at square one. So did that second one change how you wanted to proceed? Yeah, definitely. Because after that, I was like, well, we're not doing that again. Like, doesn't matter if it's like, and we also didn't want to wait two years. So I'm like, we're going to have to find the money to pay for IVF. Yeah. And genetic, you know, extremely pricey and like, and almost double when you add the genetic piece. So, um, but I'm. Um, but both of us were like, well, we can't, we can't do that again. I can't knowingly go into it knowing that that's a possibility. Um, and I'm grateful that we were, had the, the means and the support to kind of, to do that because I know that's not an option for everybody. So yes. So then in the next steps we went through and did, did IVF with genetic testing. And so after the first round, the first sort of retrieval process, they were sent to genetically genetically tested and they had four that were healthy and unaffected with the disorder. So we had four embryos that we could use um, to make a family. And so naively we were like, great, we're going to have four kids. Like we've eliminated this, this variable that allows us to lose our babies. And we were wrong. (laughs) And, And why, and why is that? Why don't you just go ahead and give us a, kind of timeline and rundown of, of what unfolded yeah. next. Sure. So, yeah. So in 2000, in January of 2017, uh, we did our first transfer of the first embryo and it worked and we were thrilled. That was exactly what we thought was going to happen. I don't have any fertility issues, so it should work theoretically and whatnot. And then eight and a half weeks later, I had a first trimester miscarriage. Ugh. So, <laughs> so in, you know, in less than two years, I've now had three losses and uh, all of different, all different ways. Yeah. So then we waited a little bit. I had to have a, a DNC to like successfully remove everything from my, my body to sort of make sure I passed it correctly or to make sure I didn't have any infections or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we waited. And then in July of 2017, we tried again and that 
one worked and that actually thankfully resulted in my daughter that I have now, uh, Kyla. Um, so hers was fine. And then when she was about one, so in uh, March or end of February of 2018, we used the third one and that just did not work. And then in, or I guess it was August or July of 2019, we decided to use the last one and uh, that one worked, split and was twins and then lost them at nine weeks. So then now we've run through all four of our <laughs> embryos and we have one living child. Mm. So yeah, so that's where we are now. And now we're just, you know, struggling with whether we go for it again or not and just being grateful for what we have. And yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure you've probably gotten the comment like, well, at least you have one. And I think that is a terrible comment. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. You have, you have one beautiful daughter. Great. Like that is, that is such a blessing and so wonderful. And yet it does not change the grief, the loss, the, the changing of how you're able to view your future. Like you said, going forward, like you don't know kind of what that next step is is because you don't just stop wanting more children or siblings for your daughter just because you're exhausted either. But you must be exhausted right. and and just I mean that's just heavy. Yeah, it's uh it's it's exhausting and it is hard because it feels at this point a little bit in limbo. Like I I'm an only child. I've never wanted only one uh child because I don't have any siblings and it's not that it's bad. I mean, if, if people have one, I don't want them to think that's the wrong yeah. choice. It's just individual choice. And, um, and that's just not something I ever wanted for her. And so it, it just doesn't feel complete. And I, and I try to acknowledge that I probably won't ever feel complete, complete because, you know, pieces of my heart that I've seen and held and felt just don't live here with me. And that mm-hmm. is a struggle, but it truly, yeah, it, it's, I hate when people say at least because it's right. like, no, like, no, no. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but it, it, it is hard, but yeah, it doesn't change height still. No, it doesn't. Becoming a mother to Kyla. So how old is Kyla now? She's three. She's three. What a fun and hard age. <laughs> how, <Yeah. laughs> how exciting. How exciting. How has all of this shaped your motherhood in action how are you nicole a different mom today because of everything you've experienced including becoming a mom to kyla yeah um i i think it's i mean it's it's truly just it shaped me in a lot of ways i mean in the very beginning when she was born i think neil and i we i think expected it because we had been through so much at that point expected it all to be rainbows and sunshine because that's all we've ever wanted. And so we've been pushing so hard for it. And it wasn't like, it was so hard in the beginning when they're babies and their lack of sleep and everything. And I, I, we fought so much in the beginning because we both couldn't, like couldn't figure out why it wasn't rainbows and sunshine all the time. And so once we kind of made that acknowledgement that, okay, we have to like stop putting pressure on ourselves to have this be perfect because it just parenthood isn't perfect regardless of what you've been through. So, so that's been something that's been helpful is, is to acknowledge that regardless of what we've been through, parenting 
and motherhood in itself is is messy. Um, it's great and it's beautiful, but it's it's messy. And um, so that's that's one thing. And then the other thing is just that in the moments now, especially when she she has moments of you know um, sassiness or stubbornness, or she screams or stomps her feet or something. I I think both of us really try to not get super upset because like again just being super grateful that we have her here and um and I think it's just really helped us see that we need to be extremely grateful for her and her presence because we it took so much to get her um and it also has helped us come to terms a little bit with what's happened previous to her because you know, as much as we wish Brady and Levi and our, our little angel babies who we never met were here, if we had them, we likely wouldn't have her. And now we've had three years with her and now we can't imagine our life without her. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I think those, those are kind of the ways that it's, it's impacted. And then, and then also just trying to work the conversation about Brady and Levi into her life. Mm. Um, so they become that she recognizes and and understands without her feeling really sad about it, but just that they're a part of her life, regardless of whether they're here or not. Right. So how do you talk about her brothers who, I mean, for, I mean, she's only three. That's really hard for her to understand abstractly. Yeah. She's so, so young. But how do you start those conversations early and that appreciation early? <clears throat> yeah, well, she, she knows their names. I mean, we have little mementos around the house that, that, or for them, we have pictures of Brady, and we have um, some things that were given to us at the hospital that the child life team, especially with Brady, uh, were able to give to us. Like we have our our hands with Brady's hands, like in clay that were done in the hospital, and then so we have things like that that most people don't have with their little kids. And so she looks at those, and she knows they're they're Brady's, and we have a picture that we got done a while ago with their initials in the sand. And, and so she knows that that picture, she says Brady and Levi um, in there. And she knows which pictures are Brady and which pictures are her, like which baby pictures are each of them. Hmm. And um, we also, like I work it into her bedtime routine. We have a little song um, that we sing that has her brother's names in it, as well as the name of a friend of mine who lost her daughter too. So we oh. kind of work, work their names in so she knows you know, to keep them just present in her vocabulary right now. And I think in time, you know, we, we, we always say they're your brothers, but we don't, I don't think she really understands that right now, but, mm-hmm. um, but in time that'll, that'll make sense to her, but they will just be names that are just a part of her. Those are beautiful ways to, to honor them and remember them and just make them a part, keep them a part of your family. Cause they are, I love that. Yeah. So you started out wanting to be an actress, thinking you were going to be an actress <laughs> And yeah. now you founded a passion project called From Heaven and Hope. And you really want to support yeah. other women experiencing grief or helping others to get through. And I don't know if get through is the right word. Probably not. But endure the grief that they're mm-hmm. experiencing. And what has that offered you in terms of, of healing and, and connecting with others? Yeah, that, that's been extremely uh, important for me. It always has been. I mean, we, after Brady passed away, we did a golf tournament for three years that honored him. Just things that kind of bring attention to them and feel like you're um, offering them a memorial of some kind is really healing. And so 
when this kind of idea came up, I, I knew I always wanted to use this experience for something, but couldn't kind of put my finger on it. And then I did a, a coaching um, sort of course with, with someone and they mentioned podcasts and I thought, Oh, okay. I don't know. And then, and then it just occurred to me, like, actually, even in my relatively immediate circle, like I can think of maybe 10 people I could talk to about grief, like about what it feels like for them. And so that has been extremely pivotal because I found too, as time, like in the very beginning, I, I wouldn't say in the very beginning, but for a few years, like I felt almost possessive of my own grief. Like if someone started, started to tell me that they were grieving or something had happened to them, I would want to support them. But I almost felt like, well, there's no way it's, it's as bad as me. Like there's just no way. And, and then, uh, but in, in these conversations, especially with the podcast, talking with different women every week about their experience and what it feels like for them. And a lot of them have lost kids as well. Some of them is, you know, their parents or their in-laws or, um, or it's like professionals that are, that work with grief for a living, but a lot of them is, is parents. And so hearing the, their experience and how they felt and, and them, you know, getting emotional on the calls is, is really helpful because it feels like I'm giving them a voice. It's cathartic for me, but it also is like putting into perspective that like, no, like no matter what you've been through, you're not alone. It's not, you're not grieving alone and your grief is not, you know, it's personal to you, but your, yours is not more valuable or less valuable than someone else's. It's just, it's just this thing that everybody's trying to process. And so Mm -hmm. it's been extremely uh, healing in a way that I can honor my kids, but also, it feels really good to be able to honor other people's emotions and feelings and their, their loved ones that have passed on. Yeah. Way to go, Nicole. Way to turn what could have been just such a heavy burden forever and kind of a senseless, like, why? Why why this experience? Why this? But the fact that, that this has served as fuel for you to then go on and support others and connect, you still might wonder why. But it has given you much more purpose, I'm sure, and uh, much more fuel to keep keep going every day, even when, yeah, the heaviness still stays with you, I'm sure. Where can people find that organization and find you online if they want to connect and learn more? Yeah, sure. So um, I have a website called uh, From Heaven and Hope. So it's at fromheavenandhope.ca, and that's if you know, you're looking for connection or counsel or anything more hands-on. And then from heaven and hope podcast.ca is the link with all the um, podcast show notes. Every episode that we've done is there. You can also find it on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And then on social media, I'm just at on Instagram. I'm just at from heaven and hope. Amazing. Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I know it's probably hard to talk about from start to finish. That's got to be a lot for you. And I, but I do just appreciate it so much. And it's just another way to honor the lives of your boys and your family as a whole family. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I always ask my guests one final question and it's this, what would you tell your pre motherhood self? Oh man. (laughs) Um, probably just uh like hang on like hang on tight Uh, and also uh, I had someone say this um to me in the sort of throes of it is just your life will look different in five years you just have to hang on so Mm -hmm. I think 
I, I think that's what I would tell myself, whether we had been through this or not, even if you're just applying it to, you know, the, the terrible twos or anything like that, you know, hang on, you'll be through it. And that's the same thing with grief, you know, hang on and you'll get through it. Um, it'll always be there, but you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. All the best to your family and who knows, who knows what's around the next corner for you. Keep going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All the best. I hope you found that episode inspiring and educational as well. There's so much we can learn from hearing from other people's journeys who look differently than our own. And if you have suffered losses yourself, my heart truly, truly goes out to you. And I hope you have people in your corner that are there to support you. But know that you can always reach out in this Extraordinary Moms podcast community. If you don't follow me on Instagram already, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Like I said, Nicole's um, support group community can be found um, on the website and that will be over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. You can find it linked over there as well. So thank you so much to Nicole for coming on to the podcast today and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.